everybody, welcome back to episode 34 of That Scale RC Show. This is Jeremy, and I am here with... Adam Dean. And we're here to talk to you guys about car parts today. Toy car parts. and Scale what, RC what, parts. Yes, what to do with them and what not to do with them and things like that. So, um... Man, there's been all kinds of crazy stuff today, and I don't even really know where to start. Like, well, I, well, like I start new stuff. One, yeah, go I for start it. Start with one thing. It's not RC related. I just want to hear what you have to say about it because a lot of people. I don't know if they ever realize this. Me being in California, in Northern California, my team is the 49ers. <laughs> you are up in Seattle, like the Seattle area. So your team has been the Seahawks, and we're kind of like our teams are rivals. Right. My team made it through the Super Bowl and kind of choked at the end. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, you know, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of comments on that part, either good or bad or yes or rubbing it in, whatever. I'll, yeah. I'll, take, I'll take my licks where they're due. I mean, I'm not happy with the outcome, but <laughs> it is what it is. Right. How does somebody who ultimately views our team as a rival, how do you feel about the Super Bowl outcome? You know, honestly, dude, like – I, I have some sympathy for the 49ers because the last Super Bowl that the Seahawks were in, if we just would have given Marshawn the ball and let him run it and do what he does, we probably would have won. You know, like that was one of the most heartbreaking moments. So I don't feel like I can be critical of the 49ers at all. They made it there, and that's a huge accomplishment for any team. And uh, they should be proud of, you know, playing a hard game and yeah it didn't turn out but that's you know somebody has to lose and ultimately they were the chosen ones this time around so and 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 lastly i'll just say it and then i'm done with it we get back to toy cars you know it's so funny that everybody always goes like they always have something to say like for instance the, the it's always been you know i hear it all the time oh the 40 whiners the 40 whiners oh they're always you know crying about something you know what? <laughs> when your team loses, are you supposed to be jumping up and cheering and, you know, like having a good time? No. So, of course, I mean, like if 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 all the Chiefs fans that were talking crap online about the Niners losing, if they lost, where do you think they'd be? They'd be sitting there, oh, well, you know, if we could have, should have, would it? Like everybody. Oh, yeah. It's just part of the game. so many armchair quarterbacks with that. And it, it's that way with racing, dude. It's like you get the – bench racers and stuff and the keyboard warriors and things like that and it's you know man they know it all and if they were in charge or if they were you know the quarterback they would have done this differently and it's like well you know you're not you work at costco you know so i don't know if we really need to value your opinion or not but you know go for it and feel sorry for yourself and your team i guess so yeah, no. I, I don't know. I don't have weird animosity towards other teams. Like, honestly, I really don't because I wasn't born here. Um, Oregon didn't have a professional anything other than the jailblazers, and that was, like, it. And I honestly do not care about basketball whatsoever. Um, but I, I don't do the whole, like, you know, screw the 49ers, Seahawks, blah, blah, blah. Instead, I, I think I look at sports from a more realistic report, approach, like with racing, where it's like, Dude, you're going to have good ones and you're going to have bad ones. And that's just how it is. Like, my team does not deserve to win all the time. They make mistakes just like I make mistakes racing or anything else. And 
you know, I, I just, I, I let it be there and don't get involved in like the arguments or anything like that. Cause I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm being kind of realistic and non-partial, even though I do have a favorite because they're local and I want to support them. And, you know, there was kind of a sense of pride for quite a while when, you know, we had made it to a couple Super Bowls and then the one that we won was rad, you know, and that was a, a neat moment to be proud of. And it, it was actually a really cool thing because we saw Seattle and this surrounding area like really pull together like when they did the parade and stuff through town like I think everybody in Washington <laughs> seemed to be there and there was there was a sense of like unity you know it, it actually felt like everybody came together and celebrated and was giving each other high fives and had this great feeling and as soon as that went away it just went back to the weird me first animosity around here like honestly after the Super Bowl like Seattle was a nicer place to be it was really strange yeah no that's good and i'm uh, and honestly uh, that's cool to hear because i mean i'm not gonna lie i guess i'm like you i don't really have a lot of animosity towards other teams um no offense to anybody on the east coast but you know what i am glad the patriots were not in the super bowl because it seems like every year it's the patriots and it's getting a little yeah. like you know tiring to see that it's like isn't oh, that funny because all you you go through your whole life wanting to win and you know, if I if I'm a winner or I'm on the winning team, you want everybody to love you, and then so you start being the winning team and you start winning Super Bowls and going to the Super Bowl every year, and then everybody hates you because you're doing good and you they want to see somebody else there. It's like you can't win. Well, yeah, but it's like I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things like you know like yeah they're it's like they're a good team like they obviously have a you know a good coaching staff and all this that and the other and like scheme but I don't know that was that was my only thing I'm just gonna say like I'm like you I don't really like have any animosity I will make tongue in cheek jokes about <laughs> and whatnot so don't like ever take it super personal it's just like your camaraderie kind of like you know like we see it on the trail when people pick on you know um, oh yeah yeah sender, or if they don't like you know the element or they don't like axial or they don't like tracks it's like they all everybody i mean some of them they take it very seriously worse than some of these sports diehards but right there's always those tongue-in-cheek little like moments you can have and you know i feel like i get away with that a lot just because of the fact that i'm not really afraid to like ridicule myself either and point out stupid things about me you know, and oh, hey. so I'm like hey, okay I with making jokes about other stuff, and I feel like everybody isn't going to think I'm being like uppity or anything. You know, hey, I'll, I'll say it too, and I'll probably catch a lot of heat for this one too, or I don't know a lot of heat, or if I'll catch a lot of like you know whatever. But that was like after the uh, after the 49ers, like we were like since we were one of the last teams other than the Patriots to go undefeated this year. After one of the games was over and we were still undefeated, somebody posted a meme somewhere, and it's and it said 49ers fans celebrating after staying undefeated. Da 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 da. And it was like two dudes kissing, and it was one of my buddies. <laughs> one of my buddies posted it, and they're both like in full 49er gear, right? And I'm sitting here going, so I responded, and I was like, um, I'm not sure where they were celebrating, but I didn't celebrate that way. And like, just like, like, you know, turning it around, like a, Hey, like, you know, I could pick on myself too kind of thing. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> like I get it. No, that's cool. No, it's, it's, you know, my heart goes out to them. They tried, but back to scale RC. Cause I know that's what everybody's here to listen back about. To, I just yeah. had to say it because 
it's one of those things in life, you know, and it was a big deal. You know, Super Bowl Sunday was literally four days ago. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I keep forgetting that. It's like, honestly, like, unless we're involved in something like locally, I don't really pay a lot of attention to what's going on just because, you know, it, it, it's just how it is. Like, I, I just have so much other stuff to worry about. So, like, things like that, I just don't even like watch on TV or pay attention to. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately. Yeah. But, so to the. Back to the toy cars. So mm-hmm. I saw something really cool this week and it it's funny, like all of a sudden there's like all this like different suspension stuff coming out and it's happened mm-hmm. all at once. So t- I think two episodes ago I was all freaking out excited over the fact that RC four wheel drive had a leaf spring conversion chassis for yep. axial rigs. Like mm-hmm. I think that's rad. I still think that's rad. And, you know, that was cool. Now I saw another outfit come up with, and I'm trying to think who this was. It blew me away because it looked better than anything I'd ever seen from them. I think it was like Brazen or something like that. Um, Brazen Scale RC, they're a chassis maker. They had a beautiful comp chassis that, wasn't all weird and bendy like you see some of them you know some of them look like a noodle or something you know because they're just a little too strange and curvy um it was really clean looking and like nice but it had like these awesome beautiful smooth 3d printed plates that went onto it that like had some dimension and actually were like you know they could have made them square and bulky and ugly but they were like perfectly smooth and curved and stuff and it flowed really nice with the shape of the chassis and it was these 3d printed mounts for the leaf springs you know for the for the shackle and the hanger and uh it it looked badass they did a really awesome job and if if i can remember i'll post a picture of it uh up after the show so people can see what we're talking about but it was really really cool you know so i saw another leaf spring chassis popping up which with elements release with the ifs it's got me all geeked out over suspension again and at some point i i feel like i would like to build a leaf spring truck i think that would be pretty cool um especially after experiencing ifs and how it is different from what i'm used to driving now it's like oh well there's all this like completely new ways to have fun with different kinds of suspension because the cars drive different and it's like it's kind of like a, a a reset. Like you get to start all over again and enjoy the hobby with something fresh and new, and and that's really cool. And uh, I I think with Element that is a huge reason why the IFS thing is making waves because it is like half the price of what the Roll Scale RC one was, um, which is still really cool. Man, they did their homework. They were the first ones. It's nice looking, but. Um, I, I do feel kind of bad for them because the element one's half the price and that when it, when you're talking a hundred bucks difference, you know, 80 bucks difference, that's a lot of money to most people, especially in this hobby, you know? So, uh, I, I hope that roll scale with the cost they've sunk into, you know, manufacturing and R and D and stuff like that. I hope that they have a plan B or some way of, you know, having a backup so that they're not like 
sitting on all these kits that aren't going to sell now because they're too much money, you know? So uh, that's a scary thing, you know, and as a business owner that dude, that's frightening, you know? I mean, that, that's the stuff that keeps people awake at night. Yes. But the only thing in, and I, I know like I probably am, you know, what is it? A pessimist, you know, like I'm like a glass half full kind of guy. You got to mm-hmm. kind of look at it like at two different spectrums. It's kind of like the people that go like vanquish versus like, you know, some of the more budget-friendly companies like STRC or um, uh, Hot Racing or something like that. Like, you know, somebody that has like similar – or not – I wouldn't say similar, but they have the same parts, but right. the price is, is so different. In my opinion, it looks like if you're going to be somebody who's like, yes, I want that over-the-top, high-end, you know, full metal. Because if I'm not mistaken, isn't that company – isn't their stuff made out of metal parts? I, I believe it is, yeah. So so in my opinion, that's where that price justifies, hey, our kits are this way because we're using aluminum. It's all mm-hmm. metal. It's this, that, and the other. Whereas um, Team Associated and Element, they – are using plastic. It's a lot of um, what's the word? It's it's um, molded. Oh, in- injection molded. Injection molded. It's injection yeah. molded. So the prices come way down, you know. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with either one. I'm not saying one is right, one's wrong. I'm just saying that there will be two different. You know, yeah, you're getting something for your eighty dollar difference. Like you are, yeah. you're getting something different, and it's gonna weigh more, and it's gonna be, you know, possibly more robust. I don't. I mean, I've thoroughly examined that IFS setup from the first time I saw pictures of it up until you know driving it, and like I'm still like looking at it and checking it out, and you know, just really like spending a lot of time thinking about it because it is so different. Um, with with the element one i and this is gonna suck because like roll scale can use the the all metal thing as a selling point for theirs you know it's Mm -hmm. it's gonna be more durable it's aluminum blah 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 but looking at the element one i don't see anything that's gonna break you know like i don't see any weak links and I really, really have looked at that thing a lot, you know, and like examined the individual pieces when I put it together. Cause I mean, it, it took me about two hours to put that front end on that Ram charger. And, you know, I mean, I was trying to like do my job and like really pay attention to all the details about it. And so that you can offer feedback as far as like how easy the installation was, if there's a part that's going to give you trouble, if the manual is possibly confusing in this area, you know, it's like, that's the whole reason that we do what we do. So we can offer that feedback to element so that if there is something that is like catastrophic or really needs to be changed or addressed before it starts hitting shelves, they have that little bit of a buffer to make those corrections. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I, I took my time with it because like that, that's what I'm supposed to do for them, you know? And so I just, I'm really excited about it. Just not, you know, from a, from an enthusiast standpoint, I'm like ecstatic because it is really, really cool. Like the parts are really beautiful. Like everything's thought out super well. You get extra springs. Um, it went together easily. I mean, there was only one thing that I would have changed in the entire thing. And, and actually all it was, was the manual. I wish in the manual, they had pictures of the screws one-to-one 
and pictures of the link scaled out one to one so that you like because axial does that and you can just drop the part right onto the uh, instruction manual and you're like oh okay that's the 90 millimeter link that's the one that I need to use so if you don't have a metric ruler or a set of calipers which I'm finding out there's a lot of RC dudes that just don't even own calipers and you can get ProTech ones from A-Main for like 20 bucks or something like that and honestly you're going to find yourself using them on everything especially if you're a guy who likes to build your own stuff and so you know, the average dude that's like living in an apartment and doesn't have a workshop and just got into crawling and he wants to throw a front end on his car, he's going to struggle with the screw lengths because everything that is in the manual isn't shown, you know, directly from the side at 90 degrees. You know, it's a 3D image. And so you've got like points of perspective where the screw's facing away from you or towards you. So you can't identify the length of it, you know? That's kind of crazy, you know, like I'm not trying to sound like, you know, know, what's the word? Like, I don't want to sound like harsh or anything, but like, you know, Schultz was with Axial. And the one thing I love about Axial kits is, you know, they're all their parts, like all the screws are, they have a one-to-one right there on the page. So you can literally pick up the screw, put it there. And if it matches the one-to-one um, diagram that'll say the part number now when you're looking at the blown up you know picture you can see okay that part number goes here 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 and here and you're like perfect you know what screw to use yeah why like why wouldn't element do the same thing why wouldn't well, they that, just that's it's weird so like one of the last race cars i put together was an hb uh four-wheel drive buggy and that thing um it every page it had the stuff scaled out you know, mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't like one page in the front with Axial where you got to just match up the part numbers. It was like every page that you're doing step by step and installing stuff, like the bottom left corner of the pictures, it had everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put you on pause for just a second. Hey, Brett, that's picking up everything on the microphone. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um. So, yeah, so that that's really the only thing that I would have changed um, would have just been having that in the manual. And honestly, is it is it a bad thing? No, not really, because you know what? If you are forced to go out and buy a set of calipers or something like that, that's something that is really useful that you're going to use a lot anyways. So really, in a way, they're actually kind of doing you a favor by forcing you to go get a tool that you really should have. And it's not expensive, and it's something that, you know, if you take care of it, of course, like any tools, it'll last you a lifetime. So I, I feel like, you know, it's not a deal breaker. I don't think for anybody, but I mean, the thing went on re- really good. The instructions are really straightforward. I didn't have any weird leftover parts or any issues. Like it went together really easy. So like, I feel like you can be a newbie and throw that on and not have much of a problem. Um, it, it, uh, it drives different. Um, I haven't tried it on multiple rigs, so I can't mm-hmm. give it, you know, the full review because I did it on a class one rig and with the 4.19 tires I have on it, I've already, you know, at a deficit as far as ground clearance goes. So it, you know, 
I one of the things someone pointed out to me was the fact that the center of it sticks down and it's going to hang up on stuff. And I was like, well, my Ford is that way, my real truck, you know, and it it's IFS in the front and it has a large skid plate area and everything just like what the Element has. And uh, it, it looks worse than it is. I didn't find it getting in the way because honestly that skid plate height at the bottom of it, you know, like where it's going to make contact with something on the ground. It's at the same height for the most part at ride height of where the pumpkin would be on a straight axle anyways. So you're not going to have that contact. There are certain obstacles that you will drive over though, that is going to compress the arms. And so now rather than the compression of the pumpkin with the axle on a straight axle being supported by the tires and the foam in them to keep that pumpkin from, you know, getting low Mm -hmm. on certain things. Um, With the independent suspension, when one arm flexes more than the other, when it articulates, you do lose ground clearance that way. Because now, rather than like this axle kind of pivoting in the center, your wheels and tires are pivoting at a wider point on the chassis and so they're going up inside the fender well so yeah your tires way tucked and everything but now you've exposed the bottom side of the arm in that skid plate so again that's not a bad thing because you you adjust your driving accordingly you know it's like all of rock crawling is like you pick your own lines and you pick lines based on what you are comfortable with with your rig and what you know it can do you know and so like if i see a line with a solid axle rig and there's four three and a half inch protrusions in the rock you know this is a fictitious situation but i'm just using as an example you got these you know four inch bumps one right after the other you're not going to take your car and drive dead center with the pumpkin of the axle scraping across all of those and expect it to not have an issue. You know what I mean? Like you pick your lines according to what your truck is built for and like how it's physically laid out, you know? So it's like, no, you're going to get like maybe a couple tires up on those if you can to give you some clearance, you know, underneath, or you're going to go around them or whatever, you know, it's like, you don't just look for impossible dumb stuff and then get mad when your car isn't going over it, you know? So the IFS isn't any different than anything else. in the fact that you're still going to have to choose your lines. You're just choosing them differently. Um, I was going to say, go ahead. Well, if I could just kind of like interject just a little bit. So please, um, my whole thing on it is, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not why they developed it. But if I was somebody like, you know, team associated element, you know, whatever you want to call it, because I never know which way is the proper way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) um, Identify them. But, like, okay, if you're the engineers and you're engineering this stuff, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's even in the one-to-one world. You are not going to engineer IFS to be the the kill-all line, do this, do that. It is – you're not building it for performance. What you're building it it for is you're building it to achieve something that really hasn't been done, okay? Right. Now, in in the world of of wheeling, you know, or you know, off roading, crawling, whatever you want to call it, okay, solid axle reigns supreme. I don't care how much you want to sugarcoat it; it reigns supreme for the one reason you said, 
when it's one axle, it now basically it's like stick your arm out in front of you. When you pivot your elbow down, your hand goes up. You pivot your hand down, your elbow goes up. Everything moves in a plane. Correct. You know, so and it you, tends to pivot right off the center of your triangulated link geometry. You know, exactly. it, it, it's almost like a Im imaginary screw that's in the middle of your axle that the thing's pivoting side to side off of. Exactly. Now IFS in the one to one world was developed for ultimately ride comfort because correct. You know, your average car when it first came out the technology was you know, solid axle, put a fr front axle, a rear axle, and, mm -hmm. you know, you have your leaf sprung. It was like horse and buggy, kind of like, you know, cart, like very simple, you right. know. As technology started developing, getting, you know, farther down the lines, they realized, hey, if we change to this, we'll get this much more comfort out of it. But, of course, at the same time, you're still – at least in the one-to-one -one world, you're still going to want some sort of – you know, dependability and you want it to still somewhat work, you know, Correct, yeah. you're not, you don't want, you don't want to hinder everything out of it, but see, that's where I think some people lose sight of what's going on with the scale. Like when we're building a scale crawler, the name's in it, crawler, you're building it to crawl. Now, if you're going to go and you're trying to build something that, you know, you're just like, like I said, you're not building something to be like a pavement pounder, whatever, in the scale world. So right. I understand the people that are going to be bumping heads the whole way are the people that, I guess, I'm not, I don't want to say this and like, you know, sound harsh or like, you know, cause any discrepancies or whatever. But like, you're not, you know, you, I think you're just reaching for reasons like why you don't want to buy it or why you don't want to run it, which is well, fine. Which yeah, is no, and and that is, and you know, honestly, I, like I'm super excited about this conversation because it's all happening at the right time. Because right now we also have King of the Hammers going, and King of the Hammers is a perfect reference to use for trying to explain the differences between the two suspensions, the benefits and drawbacks to them. Now, I think what people are missing with the Element IFS is Element didn't release this to be the be-all, end-all of suspension. This is not... It was never intended to be like, this is the alternate... You know, this is the new standard that we're setting. Everything is going to be like this, and IFS is going to work better than anything else you've ever driven. It, that's not it. Um, it is an option, and it's an alternative, and it's going to have different benefits from a solid axle you know so like back to going to what you were saying about when cars first came out with the solid axle when you hit a pothole in a solid front axle vehicle you're you're getting the shock absorption through that entire front axle both shocks both wheels because that entire mass of that front end assembly has been disrupted now from hitting a bump when you isolate each individual wheel tire and shock you know the way that ifs is set up you're only disrupting for the most part you're you're gonna everyone's gonna feel it obviously but mm -hmm. for the most part the bulk of the energy of that impact is going to be absorbed by just that one tire because it moves freely and doesn't have the mass attached to it that the other tire and axle does so that's the benefit of ifs now the reason why 
IFS is important in the off-road world is, okay, with trophy trucks, solid axle suspension, when you're going through four-foot deep whoops at 100 miles an hour, it's not, a solid axle is, you're going to rip it right off the front of the car, first of all, you know, because you don't have any, like, kick up necessarily for a solid axle, um, depending on your shock angle and stuff like really the limit of your travel is up and down, you know, it's yep. an up and down mm -hmm. motion. Mm -hmm. You can tune it a little bit by laying your shocks back so that the axle travels rearward. So when you do have the shocks angled back rearward, it helps when you're going fast because it's not trying to bind the suspension by you're getting a front impact, but your suspension only moves up and down. That's the problem with the solid axle at speed, okay? With independent suspension, you can change your kick up. So that A-arm, that pivot point of that A-arm isn't necessarily parallel to the ground. It'll have 10, 15, some instances, some instances even 25 you know, degrees of kick up so that when you do have an impact of with the front, which you're going to do in off-road, especially desert racing and high speed stuff, you need that wheel to move backwards towards the car, not necessarily straight up and down. Otherwise that shock isn't doing its job and, uh, absorbing that impact. Okay. So you've got kick up that's factored in. That's why trophy trucks are so goddamn fast in the desert because they can hit a four foot wall of dirt and the tires moving back instead of the whole thing coming to a standstill and trying to move that solid axle straight up and down, which isn't the natural motion, you know, so something has to give. So the car is going to bounce way up in the air. You're going to possibly tear the front end off the thing. I mean, it's going to be a hell of an impact compared to something that is like a trophy truck with the IFS because those things are north of 140 miles an hour through the desert. Mm -hmm. You cannot achieve that with a solid axle. So right now we're lucky because why we're having this kind of not debate, but more examination of suspension systems. King of the hammers is going on and we're seeing this big IFS revolution with King of the hammers because they're finding out, man, the solid axle doesn't do as well going through the desert sections as an independent suspension would like on a trophy truck. So you look at like the Campbell rigs, um, and some of these other independent front suspension trucks, um, even the laser nut uh, armada engineering one that is full and in, fully independent suspension which is something else that's another conversation for a different day but you're seeing this big transition because these guys are finding out like hey if we've got the motor and the gearing we can haul ass in the desert and make up a lot of time whereas before we're getting pounded to death suffering through it to just have the benefit of doing well in the rocks which really a race like that, you need the best of both worlds and something that can handle all of the conditions that are thrown at you with the variety of terrain that a race like that offers. And so IFS is a tool, a tuning tool to perform a job. It's If you're going to put it on your scale truck, it's no different than with King of the Hammers with them going to IFS or something. They're, they're, it's an option. Like, yes, you can do it to look different. 
there's scale accuracy, which is a, a large factor of why they went with this thing, because now you can build a late model Toyota 4Runner and the thing has independent suspension on the front of it, just like a real one. So you're building things that are more scale accurate. That is a huge appeal of this product. And I would say it's at least 50% of the reason why they did it and why people should be excited about it because now you can just like with the leaf spring there's guys that are like man i want to build a 60 something bronco and i want it to be on leaf springs you know mm -hmm. and they don't really care how it's gonna crawl and if it does crawl kind of crappy that's part of the challenge for them and they're having fun with it because they're adjusting their driving and it's something new to experience and that is what the ifs is going to offer it Yes, you have the clearance issues we first started talking about before we started making the comparisons. You do have the clearance issues, um, I but I didn't find them a problem because I'm adjusting my driving accordingly. I'm not going to be a knucklehead and drive right over all these sharp spines and ridges and points sticking up in the middle of the width of my vehicle. It, it's foolish. So that is an argument on the internet is just kind of dumb and doesn't make sense for people to get fired up about. Um, it you have the a-arms out wider on this car so like we were talking about the solid axle with the triangle triangulated link geometry your axle feels like it's moving on a center pivot you know it feels like it is the pivot point is dead center of the vehicle with the ifs you now have two pivot points and you have less leverage on each side to push those wheels and tires up and down because they're not real long. You know, you've got about a two inch, just for the sake of making this easy to explain, you got two inches of skid plate under it, two inches of arm, and then you've got your tire. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that two inches versus from the center of your vehicle with the solid axle out to the tire, you have more leverage. Okay. So you're going to get different articulation and the car is going to pivot funnier and it's going to have a different roll center. So the, for people that don't know, like what we're talking about right now is roll center when we're talking about stability and the differences between the two cars. So your roll center is dead center on a solid axle rig. So you're going to get a lot of body roll and things like that. It's going to affect your side hilling. Okay. Because of how it, is positioned the ways that you fight the body roll from having that roll center is stiffer springs thicker oil things like that in order to have it to where the thing doesn't topple over fast it's if it does start to move and act like it's getting top heavy it it you've got thicker oil to slow down that motion to compensate for it so with ifs you have two pivot points now with a two inch space in between them you have way less leverage on those wheels and tires now that are at the ends of those two inch long A-arms, you know. So you're sitting, side, let's say you're side hilling. It's no longer pivoting in the middle of the car. It is pivoting at the hinge pin of that A-arm. And so for that reason, the pivot point, your roll center, is spread out into those two areas now. And so the IFS is incredibly stable side hilling it, it's really stable on everything any kind of uneven terrain it was really stable on and it didn't try and flop over it was killer and uh that was the first the first thing i noticed where it was like radically different than having a solid axle rig and 
I was super stoked on it because side hilling on the terrain that we have here is a big part of everyday life and you have to have a rig that's good at it. And I've got this top heavy class one with a stupid Bluetooth speaker sound system in it and all these things that are working against that car performing well because it, it's a class one. It was made to look scale and cool. I didn't make it to be a climbing monster you know so i chose to put the ifs on that one because it kind of needed all the help it could get because it was so damn top heavy you know so with having it like i said side hilling here is a big part of life i wanted to have that benefit and it, it was beautiful i mean it worked so well and that car was so stable over uneven terrain but you did have to ch choose your lines more carefully because now you're the motion of that suspension in the front, your two wheels are moving independently of the center of the truck. Before, you know, your whole axle's kicking over and you've got, you know, three inches of clearance on one side and your suspension's bottomed out on the other. With independent suspension, you don't have that. You have this wide footprint and this more stability because of less leverage that's involved, you know? And they did a good job of choosing the springs that come with the kit because I think the springs that came with the car or with the builder's kit are going to be entirely too soft and you will have some loss of stability because your suspension's going to be mush. Uh, it's going to be dropped way down in your ride height and you're going to have to crank up the ride height and then you're going to have dumb boingy suspension and it's going to be really hard to tune out, you know. And so they did a great job as far as choosing the spring rate to include with the kit and it worked really well on a very heavy car, and I would imagine something lighter, it's going to work even better. Um, so there are performance gains, but they, people need to understand this was never marketed as this is a better alternative to what is out there currently. Yeah, I mean, they don't even have plans of, in, of including it in a kit in the future, you know, because that was one of the first things somebody said is like, are we going to have a new model with... Uh, IFS on it and they were you know they were like no you know that's not in the foreseeable future it's just going to be an option part so this appeals to guys that if you're a suspension dork or just a gearhead in general you're going to understand where it's going to perform and where it's not as well um, you're going to understand that and you're just going to drive around it and it's new and cool. That's another reason that you would want it because it's different and uh, it creates a different driving experience. It, it creates a different look for your vehicle and uh, you can have more scale accurate builds. But then there's the guys like me that like building all these different things. And immediately when I saw the IFS, I'm like, dude, finally a 10th scale pre-runner or trophy truck build that has IFS and it uses a crawler body, a crawler chassis. You can make it scale as hell. You can do trailing arms and four length the rear on it and do a sway bar. And you can build your crawler into a pre-runner or a trophy truck or whatever it is that you're looking to do. So you've got all these build options now too. And so this is an alternative. It's a choice. It is not their answer to crawling it's not this is the best setup that there ever was this is what everyone needs to switch to switch to um it was a much more selfless motive than that it was 
this is an alternative and these are the areas you're going to experience a difference these are the reasons to be excited about it versus the reasons you know that maybe it's not for you you know and uh I, I think it was an incredibly smart move and it works really, really well. Um, there's going to be a lot of arguments online about people saying, Oh, it's IFS. It's not going to crawl good. It's like, well, I beg to differ. I mean, watch King of the hammers and the fastest dudes run an independent suspension and you can't tell me there's not rock crawling at King of the hammers. There so is. <laughs> that's where I'm going to have to kind of, you know, it's hard. I don't want to like turn this into a debate, but it's like I agree with you to an extent. You also got to remember that the King of the Hammers is a very, very, very – like those independent front suspensions are not your average independent front suspensions. The, the parts they have in there are way more bulletproof than your average – like I would not take my truck – Oh the, yeah, no, there's no way. Yeah, it's, no, it's <laughs> no, they're very advanced IFS. What I'm saying is, yes, there are like I agree with you. There is benefits to it, but like it's like a double-edged sword trying to use King of the Hammers as your proving point because, like I said, that's very advanced. You know, parts underneath right. those IFSs. Um, bottom line, the way I would look at it, and this is like the simple end it, put the nail in the coffin kind of thing for me if I was ever having an argument with somebody, it's mm -hmm. scale accuracy, okay? Yeah. It's it's the same thing, On and this is no offense to RC four-wheel drive, but it's like the people that buy trail finders. They didn't buy them to be a crawling machine. They bought exactly. them because they were scale. They yes. were, that was the point. It was the point was I wanted a leaf sprung rig, and instead of trying, you know, some people don't like to some like really to some people they do not like the have to oh I got to remanufacture or figure this out and trade all this stuff just to have a leaf sprung rig. Like, you know, I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to that. So I've been trying to find a way you know, to get a leaf sprung axial rig built off of parts that are readily available. Like, yeah, I'm still having to make it work, but mm -hmm. I'm, but you know, it's not a kit. Well, until now, you know, um, now right. there's a kit that just makes it a, that much easier. It's kind of the same thing with IFS. People have toyed around with IFS stuff for, I don't know how long. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, Gene Boyd had that IFS, um, U4 truck that, uh, that I think Kyle built mm -hmm. from PC Fab, and that was all one-off parts. But see, that's what it took. It took somebody, if they wanted that, they had to, you know, manufacture it themselves. Or or you had to know somebody who had a machine shop to build something. You know, you right. had, like like there wasn't a kit that was just readily available. Yeah. So exactly. my end all it would, it's literally for scale accuracy, because if there's one thing that me being like into scale, like wanting things to look scale, if there's one thing that always drives me nuts about the the RC community, especially the crawling community, is these people, I don't think they really think everything through when they're building these cars, like when they're saying like, yeah, I want to, you know, I'm going to, I want to use this body for my RC car. Like, yes, it looks cool. It looks good. But if you really think about it, how many people are running these Toyotas you know, like you said, forerunners, or you know, like even the late model Jeep Cherokees, and they're on solid axles. Or the FJ Cruiser; those things never came with a the with a um, with a solid axle. They were, they were all IFS. So exactly. it's like 
realistically, yes, it can be done. Those cars can be straight axle converted. But your average one you see going down the trail is still IFS. Yes, yeah, so, ex exactly. You, my end all would be you're going for scale. I mean, like the first thing I said, you know, and I actually have both forms of technology in my personal vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm not going to go way back down memory lane. My very first truck was an 89 um, K, uh, yeah, K30 or K3500, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was the that was like the second year IFS was around because you because '88 I think was the first year Chevy switched over to the IFS suspen, um, suspension, and that was my first truck. Well, I only had it for a few years before I sold it and got my new truck, which was which is now my wheeler, but back then it was my daily driver slash weekend warrior kind of rig. And that was my 94 Chevy, which, yes, came factory with IFS, but it had all been cut out and replaced with a solid axle. Right. Now, why would you want a solid axle over IFS? For the fact that that was going to be more wheeling, you know, um, based. And if you don't build a bulletproof IFS, you're going to blow it to smithereens trying to go over certain things. So you have a solid axle. Now, I will say, you drive that truck, it's like driving a truck. It's bouncy. The It's all over the place. Then again, it is leaf sprung all four corners. That's like you said, that could be a whole entire, like if people want to hear, I guess, our talk about different suspensions, you know, I guess we can go over them all on one episode if they want to hear it, if they really want to hear us rant about it. Mm -hmm. But there are ways to improve a solid axle to perform better, which I truly think that's where, like the Enduro Sendero, the Axial SEX10 platform, the the Traxxas TRX platform, the Red Cat, they all model off the same thing. Solid axle with a link geometry and coilovers. In the real world, those vehicles work pretty much all around every scenario, minus super go fast. But your average mild speed and crawling, they handle just fine. Now, my new truck is IFS. It's been a very long time since I've been in a truck with IFS. This truck has IFS, so yes, it rides nice. But prime example, I'm at a job site, and it's a very uh, – what's the word? underdeveloped job site, once you get off the driveway, it's dirt. And they would just have the tractors going through there, moving some stuff, so there's ruts everywhere. Now, if I was in my 94, I wouldn't give a crap, and i just plow through everything because it can handle it, you know? Whereas this is, you know, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be busting up my, you know, the IFS, and it handles it differently, so I was picking and choosing where I was driving. Right. So it, 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 all, it all comes down to the same thing. You're going to have to adapt to what you have and know your vehicle and get to know it. And it will be a different driving experience because that was the number one thing I always heard everybody say about driving something like the Trail Finder was it's a different experience driving with leaf sprungs instead of a link suspension. This is going to be the same thing. It's going to be a different driving experience. My only question... I mean, I don't want to get like I don't want this to be in like overly complicated um, product that you're trying to put on the car. But the only thing that I thought was a little interesting 
was there was no front sway bar. They made provisions for one. Okay. Um, there's no sway bar because it doesn't need it for crawling. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you know, when I was explaining it, it's very, very stable. Um, they thought far enough forward to where they included all the mounting points in the kit to add a sway bar down the road. So I think probably one of the next products you're going to see out of them is going to be a sway bar because they did make provisions for that. You've got the mounts that are on the A-arms, the holes to mount it. And then you've got a pair of eyelets that are on the front side of the diff case for the sway bar to go through. So like everything is there to just bolt a sway bar onto it, which is super, super cool, you know? So, I mean, obviously they put a lot of thought into it because they're going, Hey, this is something if guys want to go fast and build a U4 rig or a trophy truck, they're going to be able to, and it's going to be able to corner because we can put a sway bar on it. For me, it's not just that it's the, it, it's the scale factor. You stay underneath the front of my truck right now, you see the sway bar. That's part of the iconic part of the IFS is you see the sway bar. So it's like, you know, so like if I was going to do a replica, which I've toyed around, I've already talked to um, my buddy Todd Norton about this. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you ever come up across a, you know, I don't care what they label it, but it's a 2017 to 2019 um, body style Chevy, I said, you let me know. I said, because I will seriously build. A replica of my real truck right but that's that's my only hindering part because that body is so new i don't think anybody's released it um yeah I probably seen, not if they do it'll probably be like new bright or somebody exactly so that's why i told him because he finds some weird stuff that you can 3d print online so right um i just kind of left it at that um or the other option is because I know it's another listener of the show. Uh, if somebody like you know West Braswell, you know, were to hand make something because you know he can make damn near anything out of a picture, um, but that'd be the only way I could see it happening right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Either way, it'd be cool. But I always said that would be cool because my other thing that I'm in the midst of, which I actually have a truck for, I just, or the body for, I just now have to do some body work to it to get it to look like mine. I had acquired, and I think I went over this a couple episodes ago, I have acquired a old school um, Monster Patrol body from the Radio Shack um, Monster Truck. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's my body style Chevy, the 94. But it needs to be turned into an extended cab. It needs some work on the fenders. It needs to work on some other stuff because it was a monster truck, so a lot of stuff was, sorry, hogged out to, you right. know, clear the big tires. Well, that was just how it came from the store. It wasn't like somebody did that. But I always thought it'd be cool to replicate both trucks, and then I could do like a side by side shot. And that would mm-hmm. be literally as corny as it sounds. That would be what I'd really build the builds for. Just for that moment, and to say that I have a right. scale replica of my one-to-one replica. Yeah, which which is really cool. I mean, I I could do the same thing now too if I wanted, which is nice. You know, it's like that's neat that I have that option because I would never build a replica of that thing. You know, not having I have front that. suspension. Yeah, but I I want to circle back for a second to when I was talking about King of the Hammers. Now I, I realize, you know, and I want everybody to realize that. I'm not trying to compare 
the suspension on your Chevy pickup off the showroom with the IFS system that is on a U4 rig or a trophy truck. What I'm saying is when I was talking about King of the Hammers is IFS is a tool. You know, mm-hmm. that that it's a setup, it's a tuning option that they're going with. Um, it, it wasn't trying to say that, you know, that IFS is like other IFS. It's, it, there's similarities, yes, but that's kind of where it ends is because you've got strength, you've got different kinds of shocks, you've got a lot of other things factoring into it. But it it's a tuning option. So when we were talking about like the sales points of all of this, you know, I first mentioned that it, it, is going to appeal to people for build variety. You know, they can build all kinds of stuff now that's more scale accurate than they ever could before. Um, they'll be the guy that is going to buy it because it's something new and different. And then there's going to be the guy that's going to buy it because, hey, you know what? This may work for what I want to make, or it may work better in the area that I live, or I just want to have it because it's cool and learn to drive ac- accordingly, just like you would do with the leaf rigs. So, um, it's like I said, it's, it, and, and I know I'm repeating myself here, but it's important that people realize this isn't being marketed as the solution to crawling. You know, they're, they are not wanting everybody to go out and replace the solid axle on all your RC cars with IFS. And they're not trying to sell you on the fact that it's that much better to where everyone needs to do that. Instead, um, I, th- the, you know, easily 50% of the drive behind even making this was the fact that you can make scale accurate builds now, and that is going to be the mass appeal. And I think making it to where they have free files to download so that you can put this IFS kit on like the SSD Trail King, the Axial SCX-10 Um, I think that's really good. And they're doing that so that everybody now can expand the scope of accuracy of the things that they're building because now they have this available for almost everything out there on the market to fit, not just the element rigs. And so this... This whole thing, and and everybody's so hung up on, is it better than a solid axle, you know? And it's like, well, that's not its intended purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really important to stress to everybody because all the stupid arguments and everything that else that is going to happen because of this online, it's, you guys are just, like, everyone's missing the point by wanting by making the mistake of thinking it's a replacement for a solid axle. It's, it's not. And, uh, it, it's something that I think everybody's really, you know, if, if you're looking to get it or you've ever thought about doing it, you should, you know, and it, it opens up a whole new world. And the fact that it's not marketed as something that's strictly a rock crawling thing and not an answer to something. Um, there's a, I'm, I'm noticing a big shift in scale RC where there's a lot of scale RC that now that has nothing to do with rock crawling. You know what I mean? Like that's its roots and, and always will be its roots was going out and rock crawling. Cause these things all evolved from, you know, like what, what was it? The AX 10, right? Is that the scorpion or whatever? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what trail trucks have evolved off of you know like what we have now that was like the you know 
predecessor. So now there's there's the nerd factor of it, you know? There's the and and I say this in the most loving way possible. You've got the West Braswells of the world out there that are building scale trucks, not scale crawlers, you know? And mm-hmm. uh I think the IFS is marketed to those people, honestly, because like I said, there's a lot of people that they're not rock crawling. They're hitting trails. They're, you know, doing like very mild rock crawling compared to what some people do. And that's why you see such a crazy variety of setups on rigs and types of rigs. You've got the class two trucks that look crazy and unrealistic. And then you've got like super scale rigs and stuff too. And it's, you know, for me, I I like a class one rig, like my Ram charger, for example, because it, it doesn't do everything easy. It has little tires, so you have to pick your lines just like you did if it was your real car that you were out four-wheeling. It, it's not the most capable thing. I didn't build it to be the most capable thing, but I wanted it to be a semi-realistic experience because it's harder than just having a rig that just eats every line you point the thing at, you know? Like, that that can even get boring having something that works really well cuz there's no challenge anymore every the whole point of racing or competing in anything is to have a challenge to overcome so that we have that reward in ourselves of that that sense of accomplishment you know and uh it's there's there's always going to be that but this is it it's more we're seeing a shift to like the enjoyment of the scale aspect of it the trails the <laughs> realistic driving experience you know having something that you got to work at it you know like it's cool to go out and really have to work at it and be like man you know what i didn't get that today but i bet i'll get it next time and i'm going to try a different thing and it, it's it's the it, that scenario is like exactly like the lifeblood of this hobby you know what I mean? Like, that's what people are passionate about. It's it's the tuning. It's the building. It's the creating. And being able to do that is what the mass appeal of this is, you know? You don't want to just dominate every little line. You, you, everybody's in this for that reward. You know what I mean? That little, like, rat, I made it up that. That's cool. I don't care if it was four inches. It, it's all relative to what your rig is capable of, you know? And mm-hmm. that's why so many of these arguments about what's the best tire, what's the best suspension setup, what's the best rig a lot of those are really irrelevant because everybody has a different reason for being out on the trail you know and it's funny you brought that up because i was just about to say the first answer that i usually always give now when people say like you know because it's always funny i mean i don't know i don't look for them anymore so i don't see them as much anymore but i remember back in the day everybody would always be like just bought this what servo do you think I should put in here? I mean, everybody throws out, you know, their their one, and and ninety percent of the reason is because they like that brand. That's exactly. what it comes out. You can't trust it. You can't trust the internet, guys. So, you can't. It, so basically, it's like you need to stop trying. You know, like obviously, you know, like with anything, there's stuff that works, but then there's stuff that you know people, you know, they'll they learn and figure it out on their own um 
you know, like you can apply that with anything. I mean, I've like I've had a lot of people, you know, and I want to get off. I want to stay relative to scale, but it's like when I got my truck, I went with a Chevy Duramax because one, I'm a Chevy guy. Two, I needed a diesel for work. There's a lot of people that are like, why didn't you get Dodge? You know, Dodge can out tow this, or why didn't you go with Ford? Because you know, Ford's that's fine and all. I went with what I wanted because that's what I like. Okay, yes, I do know there's downfalls. I do understand that, you know? And I'm not saying that there isn't. It's just you got to pick and choose, and you will learn when you go through with everything. And and I've noticed that about you. You don't do the the brand argument. You don't do the Ford versus Chevy thing. Like, you might do it in jest, like screwing around with your buddies or me or something since I drive a Ford. But you and I – and. I'm not trying to like pat ourselves on the back here or anything, but it's like, I feel like the way we present things on the show is fairly unbiased. Okay. Like I think I went into enough technical detail about the element IFS kit to where people can see that I'm not just being some brand whore and, you know, trying to sell everybody on it. You know, like you and I approach things pretty realistically. So I never see the, the brand argument with you. And I don't do it with me either. And I think that's part of the reason why we get along as good as we do, because I am not afraid to tell you every like bullshit failure thing I hate about my Ford, you know, like I'm well aware of all of it. Like the seats suck compared to the Chevys I've had. You close the doors and it sounds like your door panels are made out of Kleenex boxes, you know, like there's nothing that feels solid and safe about the truck, you know, like honestly, I like it because it looks cool. I, I like the shape of the F-150, and that's it. Like, yeah, I I am well aware that the interior quality is inferior to Chevy. I'm well aware that Dodge has problems with their transmissions. You know, like, Ford had motors that had, you know, diesel motors that had head gasket issues. I mean, like, everything has its issues, and you can't be an idiot and be like, this is better than everything. I bleed Chevy till the day I die. And, you know, and that's how people get about anything they're passionate about. And that is such a dumbass approach to it because it's not, you're not being honest with yourself, number one, and you're not being honest with everybody else. And I think that people can count on the fact that you and I aren't being stupid about stuff like that and offering advice based on our opinions because we're fans of something, you know, like Mm -hmm. there can be brands that I'm not super excited about. And I'll be like, yeah, dude, that's a rad product. And you know, all personal feelings aside or whatever, you know, that is badass. And I'm not afraid to give competitors of mine, like Neil at freaky skins to give him credit for the things that he's good at, you know, I can't sit there and tell somebody, Hey, you need to buy my stuff because the other guy's stuff shitty. Like that, that isn't it. It's like Neil is good at photorealistic stuff and like Photoshop and making things look like the real deal, you know? And I'm good at making them look good at that stage where they haven't been driven yet. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they, and, and that's, because that's what I'm into and I do well and that's what he's into and what he does well, you know, and I would never say anything to take that away from him. And it's the same thing when we're talking about any other brand or anything like that. Like, I'm not going to tell you something's a piece of crap just because I don't like the dude making it, you know, it's like, um, 
I don't know, like, for example, like, okay, everybody thinks I hate Vanquish, and I don't. Like, I think that Jim and Steve are, like, rad guys, and Brandon and everybody that works there, like, there's some good dudes there. And they just came out with some new incision wheels, and I think it's brilliant. I love the fact that they have the whole incision line so that they can have a more affordable way of bringing these cool-looking products to people. Because that, that's the essence of what we're doing, you know? It's like, let's give the public something to be excited about. Because let's face it, if we turn crap out and that's all we offer, nobody's going to be excited about it, nobody's going to buy it, nobody's going to talk about it, you know? And with the incision line, that's great. They've got all these rad new wheels, and they're affordable. And I think that's one of the most fantastic, brilliant moves ever. And I don't care who thought about it at Vanquish. It was a good idea. And I can't take that away from them. And you have to have that approach and look for that in people when you're looking for advice on the internet because you get just, instead you get fanboys. It's like, no, man, it's Reefs RC. That's the only one to buy. That's the only servo. And it, and it's just like, dude, I can't in good conscience tell somebody, hey, go out and spend 170 bucks on a Protex servo when the dude drives on dirt trail and he doesn't need 400 and some odd ounces of torque and to spend that much money, I, we have an obligation to be honest to people because I almost feel like now people have like downloaded us and listened to us almost 7,000 times. And that's staggering to me. And if people are listening to us and giving their free time to us just to listen to what we have to say, we have an uh, obligation to them to be objective. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you just don't see that. You can't tell the dude who's never going to touch a rock pile and wedge a tire into a crack and really have to have a strong servo to get out of it. You can't tell that dude, hey, you need to buy this brand servo. And, you know, people need to be smart and consider the source. Consider the area that they're driving at. Consider their ability level, the years that they've been involved in the hobby, you know? Um, I, I got kind of attacked the other day a little bit about the whole associated thing and even having one, a guy made the comment of, you know, I guess it's not what you know, it's who you blow. And like, dude, that's the most ignorant statement ever. Like I started with the scale RC side of SOR five years ago. And I have tried my ass off to make cool stuff. And it's taken five years to get to the point where people finally take a notice and businesses picked up and brands have noticed. And for the first time ever, a manufacturer has wanted to work with me and have me driving their vehicles. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's earned, you know, it's not just something that's given away. It's not, you know, oh, it's not who, you know, it like, that's really stupid and you can't make a generalization about that because you don't know everybody's story, you know? And I, I am not in a position that I'm in because of who I know or anything like that. They reached out to me and <laughs> for that reason, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, you, you can't say stuff like that, you know, like you're not, it's not fair and it's not honest either. You know, no, like, I, I know there's a per there's a purpose to it all. But like like I said, don't take this like wrong. 
I'm not going to totally deny that statement. Obviously, it started somewhere, but you are right. It does not, and it is. It's not for every single situation. Right, and th- dude, there's buddies that I hook up because they're cool. You know, like yeah, Ty cool. and I mean, and stuff. It's like, hey, how'd you get that? Oh, Ty gave it to me. Well, they don't know the flip side of it. Like, well, no, I did, you know, a couple raps for free for Ty and patted him on the back, you know. So it's like people, in, and I think a lot of that's jealousy speaking when people attack you like that, you know, over something as dumb and trivial as a toy car. Um, you know, like, I, I think that's a really ugly side of the hobby that... Um, I think more and more people are getting tired of it and people are trying to f- get back to the fun and the roots of it all. And I am a hundred percent on board with anybody who shares that mindset. You know, I, I don't, I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's a competing business or not. I don't care if it's a product that I'll never buy, but if you have that mindset and you're wanting to make RC a better place, then dude, I, I love you because that you know (laughs) that's what makes the hobby great no i know and it's like and what's funny is like you know and it kind of goes circles back to what you were saying i'm not going to deny that i have my i guess you could say my personal favorites or my personal interests like yeah you know like obviously like in the real real world stuff i'm into chevy that's just like the brand that i grew up around it's what i'm comfortable in it's what i know the most it's so yeah you're comfortable so you're going to continue going back to it Kind of the same thing how I do my RC stuff. First got into Axial. So, yes, I'm more comfortable with Axial. I might be a little more biased towards Axial. But I will be honest, like when people – because we had it um, actually asked to – not me and you, but on two chains about a week and a half ago, somebody reached out to us and said, hey, we're trying to get into the hobby. We want to get a car. We saw this online. What do you think? And they sent it to us, and it was a no-name Chinese brand car and they're like you know we think it's really cool it's only 150 bucks and And I'm going you know so I said I'll be honest I said if you're serious about this this industry if, if you're serious about getting into RC crawling you need to get a name brand whether it's it's uh Actio, whether it's um Enduro whether it's Traxxas, whether it's HPI, you need to get into a name brand because those are the brands that have aftermarket support, which means you'll be able to fix that. So that investment you're making getting into the hobby, you'll be able to keep it going. Or even part support at all. There's a lot of those things that people look at that they want to buy on like Wish or whatever, and you flat out cannot buy replacement parts because they're not offered because it's not a hobby grade thing. So, I mean, some of them are expensive. If you buy a $150 RC car that you've never heard of and there's no parts support and you can't find a normal brick and mortar shop selling it, stay away from it. Like you're you're going to burn yourself. And that's basically what I'm getting at. I have no problem telling you, you know, go buy this, that or the other, you know, would I say this is why I like, you know, Axial or like this is why I like MKS servos, you know? Yeah, I will if you want that opinion. But if you're just looking for a generalization opinion, I will, you know, I'm glad to give it to you as well. Right. No, ab- absolutely. And and that's great. And I think, you know, that's what I'm getting at is like that's what we need more of. Um, because and, and- this hobby's grown really quick and I'm finding out really fast that – not everybody's mechanically inclined. Not everybody is in the same geographic location. And 
Facebook is such a bad place because Facebook is basically who can scream the loudest. That's who gets heard, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I'm, I'm going to tell everybody right now listening to this, if you see somebody who answers, the, you see this question all the time that people will post, what is the best tire? Anyone that answers that question is full of shit and don't believe them. And why, why is that, you think? Oh, it's because they're just giving their opinion. Yeah. We don't live in the same place. You may have really slippery rock that's all river rock, and it's, you know, like uh, like at Cisco down by the, the overpass, mm-hmm. you know, by the bridge where mm-hmm. that stuff that stuff was very slippery. Not everybody drives in that. Not everybody drives on what we're lucky enough to have up here with this insane volcanic high grip rock, you know, and it's like the dude that tells you Pitbull Brave and Ironsides, or that's the best tire to buy. Like the dude's lying to you. Anyone who answers what is the best servo, what is the best tire, anyone who just gives you a dumb, simple answer like, oh, dude, Swampers are the best tire you can get, you know, don't don't even listen to these people. Like if you really do want an opinion, ask them why. Don't just go, what's the best? Ask why. Because when I give an answer to someone or you give an answer to someone, you and I are being honest about it and taking into consideration geographic location, their weather, the temperatures that they have, um, whether it's mostly dirt or rock. You know, There's so many things that factor into that. And I can tell you what works where I live that is a good all-around tire that you won't be mad that you spent $40 on. I, I can give that information to you. I can tell you what works good here and what I personally use. But if you live in North Dakota where it's, you know, super flat or something and you don't have these big mountains that we go up on and stuff here, um, what I'm telling you isn't going to translate to what you're doing. And sure. it you're not benefiting from anything. You're No one's done you any favors. You've bought something with your hard-earned money that you may not have needed or may have been the wrong thing for the job. And if you're really looking for information from somebody, pick their brain or let them pick your brain. Make sure they're asking you questions. What do you drive on? What is it like where you are? Does it rain a lot? Like, if they're not asking, if you guys don't have a real conversation about it, you can't believe what they're telling you. Or the other thing too is because this is how I've been answering those questions if I participate in them anymore. It's usually always been, well, this always works well for me. And exactly. Then, that is a great answer. And then you put it out there. So then that way they're like, okay, well, they're having enough luck with that. Then, okay, cool. You know, like, you know, and I'll be honest, like, I have tires that I specifically bought because I wanted them to look that way. Yeah, oh, me too. I've got ones that aren't great, but I love how they look. Exactly. So, I mean, I ran the I ran the stock uh, Axial um, BFG uh, all-terrains because personally I like the fill of those ones over the Pro-Line because the Pro-Line, I guess you could say, are probably more scale, but they're they like – They do look pretty real. But they're like pizza cutters in my opinion. So yeah. I like the little fatter look, so I went with the you know other ones and – you know, yeah, they might not be the greatest working tire, but I thought they looked cool. Oh, and it, exactly. That was the whole reason why I bought Proline BFG All Terrains was, dude, They, I liked how they looked for one. That's one of my favorite 
and it's so stupid. What a dumb guy thing to have a favorite tread pattern of a tire. Like that is so whatever. I, you know? No, okay. Don't don't feel that bad because I have a favorite tread pattern, and not one scale company makes it. So. Which has got to be frustrating. So for me, I was ecstatic when I was like, dude, Proline's got BFG all-terrains. That's so cool, you know? Like, And so I bought a set, and at the time, we had like nine or ten crawlers um, in the SOR fleet here. And mm-hmm. I went down to Squirrel Fest in Oregon, and it was very little rock, mostly dirt. Some areas really loose dirt, some areas hard pack with loose dirt over it. And I had an HPI Venture that I was driving at the time, and it had the BFG terrains because it was like a, you know, a trail truck, a street, you know, just a street uh-huh. cruiser, weekend warrior rig, like what you were talking about, you know, like something you would drive to work every day and occasionally take off road. Like that's what I built that HPI Venture for. And I had so much fun not getting up stuff good which sounds absurd, but I, I was having a hell of a time with that rig trying to get up all this dirt and gravel and stuff like that because the tires don't have big lugs. It's a street pattern, you know, mm-hmm. but I had the time of my life. Like it was such a kick in the ass because it was like driving a real car. I was like, dude, this thing is kind of sucking right now, but that's a hundred percent of the, the reason that I'm having enjoyment from it. See, it's funny that you say that. And then um, I think I'll I'll get into this, and I know we have a ton of questions, and yeah, I want to we do I want to get those. Um, but it's funny you bring that up because I personally think that there's like you know there's everybody like you said earlier has their own end game or goal to why they're out on the trail. Like what is it to you know whether it be they want to show off the rig, they want to be able to climb up everything, or they want to be able to do everything that everybody else does, or they want to be the fastest through there, whatever it is. They all have their own thing. I always found it I always find it funny and, and I'll use this as an example. Um Michelle's dad. He is one funny dude. He he almost could care less about what the car looks like. Sort of. <laughs> he wants the car. He wants the car to look good. But what I'm saying is, if if he can have the easiest time to climb up over the rocks, he wants it. So he wants that reward. Then he wants the reward. He right. can care less about. And but what I'm saying is, I'm not saying it's bad or. or no, it's no, it's awesome. I mean, if I'm that's... just saying that's what he likes to do. So it's always funny because like we always have this conversation, like driving to an event, you know. He'll be like, like bef- this is way before Vanquish ever came out with um, the VS410, and he's like, I don't understand why Vanquish just doesn't make their own car. He goes, they could have their axles on it, their wheels, they're all parts people try to buy anyways. <laughs> da, 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 da. He goes, and I'm going, because only people like you would be able to afford to buy them. You know, oh, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, and I, that was always my answer. It was like tongue in cheek. We would always like joke around. And then it's like kind of the same thing, like, like if, uh, and like I always find it funny, like we, I used to always tease him because, like Elio would go and do a line and he'd have these tires, right? And all I'd have to hear about on the ride home, what tires is he running? I need those for my car. Why can't I? I need those. T-. And then you put them on there and it doesn't work the same. And he's like, right, you know, nice. it's like I told him, it's like you're not going to be able to just buy all these parts and have the ultimate crawler. But that's ultimately what he's trying to do. He's trying to have that ultimate crawler. that Which you, is rad. Go for it. You know, you, Which is like, oh, I want it to be able to perform through wet locations. I want it to perform in snow. I want it to perform in the mud. I want it to perform on the gnarliest rocks. I want – 
You know, like he always wants like that, which like I said, to me, I do like a little more of a challenge, and I think there's a reason why the 2.2 side of crawling has kind of fallen off in recent yeah. years. Yeah, Is because the 2.2 was like training wheels. I couldn't tell you how many times I went to events back in like 2013, 2014, even up to 2015, where, you know, a lot of people were still running race, you know? Yeah. That's why and, I got rid of my Wraith is because it, it did stuff too easily. I know that sounds absurd, but it, like I wasn't having that much fun with it because there was no challenge. But see, and that's the thing. Everybody's different. Right. You know? You know? Yeah. And, and, what's cool, and what's cool about this, and I, I wish people could come together on everything and think about this more, but so Michelle's dad, right? Mm-hmm. If he is able to tune – his truck to the point of where it works in all those conditions and it performs well over all these varieties, like what he's talking about. That is awesome. You know, work at it. If that is your goal, that's awesome. And Hey, if you don't care about scale looks, there's, there's no wrong or right way to do this. If you want that thing geared towards performance, you get a cheater chassis and throw brass all over it and everything else, more power to you. Because if your goal is to get up stuff so you get that feeling of reward and feel good about yourself and what you're doing and having fun, do it. You know, that that's the beauty of this. If you want to make it look as realistic as you can and put it on a shelf do it. That's awesome. If you want to do that and drive it and beat on it and let it get beat up over the natural course of its life, just like a real car, if you bought it, that's awesome. You know, and, and I kind of fall into that later category, you know, and having all these goals being individualized with people, that's why so many of these, what's the best this or that, that argument needs to be null and void. You know, it, it, it's pointless to have, it's pointless to engage in, and you, it was funny when you said, you know, I rarely participate in anybody asking for my, asking for an opinion on something. If you're asked directly, you give it, but you fr don't freely offer that advice, and neither do I, because number one, people aren't going to listen to you, because like I said, Facebook is who can scream the loudest, and, and you know, who can call people the worst names, and everything else. We see it every day, and I, I do hope people are getting sick of that, but everyone would have so much more enjoyment out of the hobby if they were able to just, I, I hope they're listening to this and maybe th this episode changes their mindset a little bit and opens them up to a greater enjoyment of the hobby because everybody does have a different goal. There is no right or wrong. There is no better, best, worst thing. Um, Everything is relative. Location, skill level, temperature, weather. You know, it's also relative that don't even have those conversations with people because they just turn into arguments. It, it And it's pointless. You're not going to get any good information out of it whatsoever unless somebody is giving you the reasons why or they're picking your brain to gather information from you to help them make an informed decision on what to recommend for you. That is... That needs to be what the goal of what we do is and the direction that I would love to see the hobby go because otherwise it's just a bunch of grown men crying and calling each other names over toy trucks and it's dumb. Yeah, no, and don't get me wrong. 
I have done tongue in cheek teasing each other about stuff like I we, joking's we, fine. You know, we, you do we, it to me. I do it. I do it to Todd all the time. We like he'll 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 have a car and we'll be out at the trail and and he won't be doing. I go, dude, get that shelf queen out here and hurry up. You know, yeah, like we, yeah. you know, I like I'm saying, there's nothing wrong with it. But you know, when it's when it's that whole, I get what you're saying. When it's the whole you know, mentality online to just like, oh, what are you talking about? You just own shelf queens and da 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 da, da. I get that. That's, yeah. that's in, the point that you're trying to make. Yeah, YouTube and Facebook videos have really opened my eyes to the different, you know, like all of us are in such different situations. You know, it's like you'll see a video of a guy like side hilling and crawling over a route or something. And that happens to be the gnarliest terrain where he lives. And he's like, man, this works awesome Buy these tires. This is the best thing, you know? And it, it's like, that's what I'm trying to get across is it's all relative. And I mean, I, I can't be the only one noticing this, that, you know, when you're seeing these videos, cause all of a sudden now everyone has a YouTube channel, everybody wants to be an authority on scale RC and, you know, be a source of information and it's an ego thing. And there's a lot of that in this hobby and everything else, but it it's really pointless. And how can you fall into that trap of negativity with all of this when you can plainly see the dude who is not a good driver because you saw it in video, uh, built a strange car that isn't necessarily going to work where he's at or their terrain isn't very challenging yet. They claim something is the best. Like take note of all of these things because the last thing that I want is this is an expensive hobby. And you know what? Like all of us work really hard so that we can enjoy this. And I personally, I can't sleep at night if I tell somebody to buy something just because I'm bros with the dude that made it, you know? If mm-hmm. even better, if they have a lesser, a, a less expensive option that might work for them, you know, and like, for example, the EcoPower servo, the one that's like 60 bucks at, what is it? At, um, 8.4, no, 7.4 volts. It's like 400 some odd ounces of torque and it's waterproof and it's a really affordable servo. Drawback is it's got one plastic gear in it and it'll break, but if you can't spend 150 on a servo and 60 is all you have right now because you're buying formula for your baby or whatever your personal situation is, okay, you – that's a good option. It may not be the best servo, but because those gear sets are 6 bucks a piece or 12 or whatever they are, if you do strip it out, it's easy and expensive to fix on the off chance that something actually does happen. Okay, you're not I'm not going to feel guilty recommending that servo to somebody that is a trail guy. You know what I mean? But if Mm -hmm. if I'm up here and there's a dude climbing gnarly rocks with me and stuff and he has one of those servos, I'm going to you know, it's like, hey, man, you know, you're you're probably going to go through some gears depending on how abusive you are with the truck. But, you know, it's all relative to what you can afford and what you're doing with it. So, you know, I mean, recommending certain parts and stuff like that, it, you've you've got a responsibility, especially if you've been in the hobby for a while. Um, I think it's really inappropriate to give people bad information, you know? Um, yeah. And, and everybody works too hard and fights tooth and nail to, you know, get food on their plate and everything. And life isn't an easy thing. And uh, – 
the last thing that you need to do is like waste someone's money because you're bros with somebody and push their part like that. That's completely irresponsible. Totally agree. We should probably get into some questions here. <laughs> so yeah. we can wrap this up. Honestly though, like I, I really like how this has gone though. Like I feel feel like we've actually maybe this, helped somebody. This is like deja, this is like deja vu. We always have a good episode and somebody says, I really like how this one turned out. It's it's funny, like <laughs> it's it's always following a, a guest and we're going man how do we live up to <laughs> having that person i hope that all our other episodes are good too it's like if that if our peak was you know this guest like how do we continue to make stuff that's interesting so yeah um so let's... and then i got one other thing to touch on before we before we wrap it up after the questions it's kind of yeah. a fun thing but it's totally tongue-in-cheek you know that's why i'm not worried about it right now but um first question Stephen Haywood asks IFS fad and just for looks or does it actually perform I believe we've kind of touched base on this at the beginning about yeah. you know um, that's a two part question I'd say yes it does perform you know if you're asking the broad question will it perform yes they did not make something that's just going to sit there and you're going to have no suspension yeah it's uh, not crap by any means it just might so, not be right for you but fad at this point i think it could be partial fad because you're going to want the people that or you're going to have the people that are into the scale aspect the the geeking out over how scale can i get my rig they're right, gonna, or they just like working on stuff even, you know, because it's a fun thing to put together. So that's like I'd say that it's half and half if you want my honest opinion. Yeah, it, I think um, – I don't think fad's necessarily a bad thing. Um, people always want the latest and greatest. It's just something in our DNA for whatever reason. It's why we strive to do anything in life is to mm-hmm. improve. And, uh, yeah, there will be some fad with it, you know. People are going to be buying that and they're going to be – you know, because it's different and it's the latest thing. And, you know, um, I think that we gave some really honest on answers about this. And, uh, you know, as far as, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we covered it all really, really well. And to the point of where, you know, we even kind of said some things that element didn't say as far as, you know, like, Hey, this is not what they're marketing. It, it's not the answer, you know, it's an option. So, exactly yeah um, um that Eli, was the last one on my list that's weird uh, the way it, oh, i just click all comments and I, maybe it does it by i don't that's, know the time. that's trippy yeah because that was the last one and eli's comment is two up from that and i had it set at all comments huh i've never noticed that anyways back to what we we're talking about sorry so so eli hazen or hazen i'm sorry if i butcher your name um do either of you listen to rc podcasts if so, are there any that you recommend? Um, I'll just go off of I've listened to the, um, the TSR Speed Shop, you know, Tim Smith Racing. I've listened to him for almost two years now. Um, and it's more, let's put it this way, it's more 
like racing driven and um, his world. So if you want that kind of aspect and you want to like branch out of crawling or whatever, um, you can definitely listen. Uh, definitely give it him a listen. Uh, it's also he does dabble into the crawling when he has crawling guests on there. I've been on the show a handful of times. Um, talking about Axial Fest and whatnot, because he actually was out at Axial Fest, I believe it was 2017 or 2016. One of the one of the two. He was there. We went up and did a, a live show with him at the Pavilion. It was pretty cool. Um, but yes, uh, TSR Speed Shop and Trackwalk RC, uh, which is. Ironically, the two podcasts we teamed up with last week. Yeah, <laughs> which makes sense. They're, you know, some of our favorites. I mean, um, I like Trackwalk. It's local racing, and it's my kid and uh, Colin Branch, which is one of our team drivers and stuff. So I, I like that one. Um, Tim Smith I like because, like, I, I like Tim and Matt both. Like, they're a great team. But, like one of the things I really, really like about Tim is he gives it to you straight and tells it like it is and really doesn't worry a whole lot about the consequence. And I know that recently that kind of bit him because somebody got sour and called his sponsors and complained about him. Um, so now he has to do this stupid disclaimer at the start, but you know, so I feel bad for the guy, but, uh, no, Tim is very good entertainment. Um, I like listening to him, even though a lot of it, up until re- recently when I got interested in drag racing, um, a lot of it didn't pertain to anything I was interested in, but the times I did listen to it, I did really enjoy it, just because, purely, oh, be- purely because of his personality. Yeah, you know? Like, it's, no, it, it's pure entertainment, whether you're into drag racing or not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he's just, Tim is a big personality, and he's really cool. Um so yeah, there's. I haven't listened to it a lot, but it's definitely one of my favorites. Another one is the No Name RC podcast, and uh, this is a dude who <laughs> he has such an incredible story and is from such different parts of the world. I I just I love the guy to death, and like his voice, his accent. So he's from I think he's from the Bermuda or the Bahamas or and born in Dominican Republic or something like that, but he lives in the tropics. Okay. And he has like almost a British accent, which is trippy. Mm -hmm. And, but he kind of has like that Islander type accent mixed with it. And so like, but he's funny as all hell. Like he's just a neat guy. And uh, again, good entertainment. His focus is like the world of RC racing, like the big names in the, in the hobby and the big international races, he's more an international podcast. And so if you're not familiar with any of that, you might not enjoy it besides the fact of the entertainment value, which is definitely there because the, he's a fantastic personality, you know, like how Tim is. So if you guys want to listen to some funny stuff, you know, yeah, the, the ones that we just listed are great. So the next one I have going through this list is Scooter Scott. He says, do either of you have scale garages, shops, etc.? Um, Yes, <laughs> I have a scale garage. That's where a portion of my pictures have been taken. Um, as of lately, I've been just doing bench shots. Um, I, I do need to clean up my scale garage. It looks like a tornado went through there. Um, but yes, I do have one, and that's probably something I should post up um, 
on our social media rather soon. I should probably get a picture of yours and mine, and we'll just throw it up there. Yeah, I I built one a long time ago and then threw it away, and then I sadly never rebuilt it or anything. I just used the one that came uh, that was the element box. So I've just been kind of decorating that with scale banners and stuff. So, yeah, I have a dollhouse. I'm, you know, embarrassed partially to say but at the same time like i love it and i think it's cool so yeah yeah we're both we're both full nerds there scooter scott we we have <laughs> we have car doll houses so, um kyle predmore diffs pack with grease or just hit the gears oh good question um i typically just coat the gears you know same. like i think I just yeah. make sure all that's kind of good, and then I'll usually do both. Like I'll do it on that part, and like for instance, I'll do it on the ring and the pinion. Then I'll run it and kind of get it all kind of oozing everywhere. And then if I see any kind of dry spots, I'll come back and just kind of pack it again in there. Then yeah. do another rotation to make sure it all looks kind of good, and then just put it together. Um, way back in the day, like I'm talking like 2012, 2013, I used to use waterproof grease, and I used to pack the inside of the axles with it because I was trying to keep water out. Um, that's fine and all until you in, until it like cakes over and then you're basically got like channels of mud in there and exactly. then it, it's fun yeah then it's fun cleaning it out yeah that yeah no I do the exact same thing I hit the gears and in fact um, a shameless SOR plug here which I don't do very often so please forgive me but our grease comes with a special little tool for applying stuff in hard to reach places Oh, the little spatula? Yeah, the little spatula to put it on the gears itself. Um, I don't pack diffs full of grease or anything like that, the axle housings, because of the fact that while grease is a great lubricant, it also attracts dirt. And so I don't, like you said, I don't want a bunch of mud and crap to clean out, so I don't do that. Um, then the second part of his question was cake or pie. And it's like, Kyle, you've seen me. You know what? my body is shaped like so obviously it's both cake and pie um there is <laughs> there's no one or the other with me yeah i answered that i answered that part on our on actually online and i because elliot chaffel wrote plot twist brownies <laughs> God, he's so funny. i so i wrote uh, brookie <laughs> yeah that sounds good too so if anybody actually does not know what a brookie is it's a brownie in a cookie concoction um now you know like heaven mind blown if you've never heard of that before yeah um but anyways <laughs> um, uh, chris chris crew jones do you oh, think okay. ifs will hold up to 3s brushless 5k running um now i guess my i guess i have like a counter question to that are you asking will the bolt-on ifs you know um like what just came out from um Enduro, you know, hold I, up to, to three, uh, 3S brushless. I'm going to make a guess and say that I think that's what he's talking about. I would say probably if you're one of those that can run and, you know, really watch your obstacles because I'm sure you'll be plowing into stuff if you're one of those, like, that can only, like, focus on one part or the other. Yeah, um, pick your be, lines. And it should be just fine. Yeah. Um, but I think it's been proven... I could be wrong. Like I said, I think Gene Boyd has ran his IFS car 
through an Ultra 5. But like I yeah. said, that was a custom-built setup. So if you're asking IFS in general, yes. It's like a yes in both, but like I said, it still comes down to driving. And yeah, um, I agree. It's going to be line selection. As far as it holding up to 3S, like maintenance-wise, um, so that kit uses the same ring and pinion. In fact, it comes with its own ring and pinion, so when you take your axle off you have a complete axle to sell or have for parts but it so it uses the same ring and pinion gear uh that um comes with it so if you or somebody is abusive and you're breaking gears on the element then yeah you're probably going to break the gears on the ifs front end as well um because it's the same exact parts um as far as like other things that I think will make it last better, uh, it's not a CVD joint. It is a true universal joint. And those are historically quite a bit stronger because that's what the majority of our eight scale race buggies have is a universal joint because they, they can handle the abuse. CVDs, you've got a weak link in it and it's a very small pin that uh, absorbs all the stress of that assembly. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I I think that it's going to probably work just fine for Chris because he is a good driver. He, he wouldn't have any issues with that. Yeah. Um, Elliot Chapel, do you think Element will stay in just the crawler area or branch out like Axial did ex, uh, examples, the Yeti, the Yeti score, and the Mini, etc.? That um, is a good question. That's a good question. Nobody really knows. Um, I'm pretty sure you've already said this. You're on the team, so if anybody would know, that would be you. You'd be a better person to ask. But and I can wholeheartedly, honestly say I have no idea. That's like I said, and nobody really knows because you also got to remember it's a gamble. Like you got to like like Axial takes gambles when they come out with stuff like that, and like. My whole thing with it right now, and I'll be honest, as much as I love Axial, um, only because this question was brought up, there's certain areas I don't think Axial should have invested the time or money into creating stuff or have gone into it as intensely as they have. Like, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I think the SCX 24s are cool. I just picked up another one, a little Jeep, because now I'm going to make it an even smaller version of Michelle's Jeep than the one that I already made. But they keep coming out with like new models. You have the the Honcho version. You have the Deadbolt. You have now you have the Chevy. I mean, it's like it. I'm like I'm not trying to sound mean or anything. At what point do you say, okay, I've like you've made so many of them. That's it. You're done. Like, are you going to recreate every? model that you've come out with in the yeah like how are they making that decision or are they basing that on sales figures yeah you know, but that's it's... the other thing too it could be a sales figure thing because i if if you um remember i thought matt said those things are flying off the shelves i believe so um which but... per personally i think they're really cool you know it's like i i doubt i'll get one because you know being element guy but um i think they're really neat i think the small rigs like that are really cool um but man what a scary area to uh start investing money into well it's kind of like like i said you know the same thing with the yeti the yeti was an interesting car when it came out it was like they came out with that right when rock racing got really big um the problem with the yeti was 
it um it was like a boat. It didn't you know? turn either. Oh my yeah. god. Well, when I say boat, use the actual you know what what's it what is it a synonym not a synonym what's the thing where you break it down like what boat oh an ac- acronym acronym bust out another thousand you basically had to That's bust funny. out you had to basically bust out some money and get that thing hopped up from the beginning if you wanted it to stay together. Yeah, and honestly, the Losi Rockray worked better right out of the box, so I think that's why... And honestly, yeah, some people are going to be bummed out they don't make the Eddy anymore, but in Axial's defense, good move, you know? Yeah. Um, And with Horizon, it's no skin off their teeth. You know, they don't care. They own Losi too, so, you know, they're going to sell a good rock racer either way, whether it's going to be Axial or Losi, you know, so whatever. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Most businesses, like I said, they're going to go based off of what's working and what's selling, you know, because ideally as much as they want to, you know, create new stuff all the time, they also have to have the risk versus reward aspect going into it. So, right now, I'm sure elements doing just fine with all the trail stuff maybe they'll dabble out into something and it'll be like an experimental thing and like you know and if uh you know it gets hot and it sells or it moves then yeah maybe they will stay with it if yeah. it doesn't then they might you know okay cut ties and move on but they're yeah. still they're still like i know team associated isn't but enduro is still young enough that i think it'll be a little bit before they branch out if they branch out yeah that that whole team associated brand, like the legacy they have and like how far back they go in the world of RC, it, they have, you know, obviously they've proven that they have a lot of staying power in the hobby and they're going to be around. So that's not something for people to worry about, but they're also, they're not going, they didn't get where they are by taking stupid gambles or, uh, you know, opening themselves up to some sort of financial, risk i mean there's there's always going to be duds you know you're not going to produce a winner every single time and there may be some duds there and uh it's part of it's just how well you recover from that so um i'm excited being on board with them because of the fact that i don't know what direction they're going so every day that they release something it's like this new wonderful surprise and it's like christmas time and uh honestly i don't care what they do as long as they just keep doing it it's a hell of a lot of fun Mm-hmm. So Chris Crew Jones double dipped. He says, he "How does the I, he says how does the IFS do on the rocks?" This will be an answer for you because I don't have it. I so I posted a link, but I did it to the wrong question that he had of that car running. And if it was really cold and snowing up there, and uh, I, this is going to sound like I'm making all kinds of excuses for myself for putting out a crappy video, but it was really freaking cold up there. And I was the only one there. It was on a Monday and it started snowing and I'm trying to film and drive at the same time. And it's super, super shaky because I guess I just wasn't man enough to deal with the elements that day. But uh, if you look really close at the video, you can see it going across the rocks and it, it really floats good. Like if you watch that car, it is so planted and so stable. It's almost like somebody is like pushing down on it with their hand. Um, I go rather than climbing up a bunch of stuff. I focused on going down a bunch of stuff too, because when people build these cars, they tend to go up things way better than they go down. So usually when you're going down anything gnarly or steep, you're flipping over. And I wanted to accurately test how this thing was working. So I drove it 
down stuff every bit as much as I drove it up stuff because that's part of driving. You're going to go downhill sometimes. And, dude, like you watched the video and I was just absolutely fascinated with that car when I was driving it and filming it because the suspension is articulating so much and moving around so much, but the car is staying so planted and it's, if you watch the video, it's not bouncing around and flopping or anything. It's just planted and stuck to the ground. And the tires are just like the tires and suspension are just following the contours of the ground underneath it. It it was one of the most enjoyable things I've ever got to watch was just hanging out, being a nerd and watching the suspension work on that car because it performed really, really well. I, I feel personally like it is much more stable than a solid axle front end on a lot of obstacles. Um, and like we talked about, there are some sacrifices too because of that, but on the rocks, I thought it worked absolutely killer. And, uh, I really feel like that video is fairly impressive at showing exactly like how dynamic the suspension is on that car. And I, I think that video is a really good answer to Chris's question or anyone's question of, you know, how well does that stuff work on rocks? It, it was extremely good. Like it, the thing feels like it's floating. It, it was, it was very, very fun. Yeah, so you want to check out the video, um, I believe. Do you have the original one on your page? Um, I put I put the driving video. I did I did like a weird like so to talk about the podcast for a minute, um, you know, you and I obviously have like wanted to expand our content mm -hmm. and be able to engage people in between episodes. And let's face it, people like looking at pictures. They like watching videos. They like that better than listening and they like that better than reading. And it's another avenue that we can uh, present something interesting, hopefully to them. If you guys don't like the video stuff and you feel it's a waste of time and not a good way for us to uh, budget our time doing then we won't do it but we do want to hear from you guys like if we do something like a video like when i did my like diary for a day in the life of me like going out and driving that car for the first time and showing that to you if you like something like that tell us if you think it was dumb tell us because you know you guys have downloaded us almost seven thousand times now and you know we want to give you what you want you know, like this is about you. This isn't about us. And, uh, yeah, you know, so, um, that's floating out there. There is some driving in that, but the link I posted on Chris's question is just strictly driving. And that'll probably answer more questions than my, my little diary video. So, yeah, so if you want to see the video, go to the comment section of the last post where we ask questions about this episode. Um, Dylan Hunter asked how – which is – I honestly, I think this is a really good question. It is, and it's smart. Like I wish more people asked that question. How should I go about asking a national forest or park if I'm able to take my RC on the hiking trail, etc.? Um so the best way – I think honesty, honestly, is always the best way. Like you just – I wouldn't – like let's put it this way. Don't go to like a park that's like a two-hour drive away from you and be all like 
you know, excited and like, yo, I'm gonna run my car, and then get there, and they're like, no, you can't, and you go, well, that's all I wanted to come here for. So what, you know, there goes two hours that I drove for nothing. Um, you know, I would always like, you know, if you're going to that park or the or whatever the trail, um. Like, because it's somewhere you normally go a lot, or like you just happen to always go hiking there, or riding your bike, or whatever. Um, you like you take the dogs out. If you bring the car with you, just run it by them. They say, hey, you know, I I don't want to be, I don't want any surprises or anything. You know, um, I have an RC car. I you know, I just want to go out on the trail, get a couple pictures. You know. Is did it cool? Like, are you guys like, are, are you guys against this? Like, you know, like honesty is key. Just ask them, kind of like upfront. That's what I've always noticed. Um, and then that way they could be like, oh, we're sorry, because like I had the instance or the in that uh, incident happened to me at a local um, uh, state-run park where I went to go get some new f um, photos with the Deadbolt Two when it came out, um, and. When I showed up, it was sitting on the passenger seat, and I was talking to the guy, and he was like, "Oh, how's it going?" And I, I just told him, I said, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm coming up here to snap some photos." And did it, and he goes, "There's no RCs allowed at at the park." And I'm going, "Oh, what if it's just for pictures?" And they're like, "We'll tell you what, if you pay for your, you know, admission, well, you can take pictures, but we see you running it, we're gonna have to ask you to leave." Right. And I was like. Fair enough. So I went and did what I had to do, and you know, left. And I just know now, okay, I can't run my car there. And you just don't, you know, just don't bring it there. Um, and you know, if they tell you no, you know, sometimes you just got to be, you know, respectful and just okay, thank you, and yeah. just go on about your day. You, you know, don't make a big stink about it because the problem that happens is we're trying to create, you know, that atmosphere or the persona that you know RC people they're just like the same person as the guy who wants to go ride their bike as the guy who wants to take their their um their dog on a walk or you know or they just want to go out you know and enjoy nature like you want to have that per, you know that level like that you know presence you don't want to yeah, yeah. you don't you don't want to come out like you're like yeah I want to come through here and I just want to you know tear up the trail you know and this that and the other and you know like if if you kind of just go about it as like it's like an everyday thing, chances are they're gonna be a little more cool with you. It's the ones that go there, goof off. They're running into people. They're being very inconsiderate to other people that are using the trails, you know. And then they get kicked out, and then they wonder why we can't go back. Right, and that's that's exactly like I completely agree with everything that you say there. Um, if you're unsure. So a lot of parks, like state parks, will at least have an info center or somebody at the booth that'll handle like day fees and stuff. So like you said, ask them, be honest, and don't be a jerk if they tell you no. You know, be an ambassador. If you're somewhere where you're unsure of, again, then just be a good ambassador, you know? Like if you don't know if you can be there or not, um, move out of the way of hikers, be friendly, smile, um, you know? Don't be leaving garbage or cigarette butts laying around. Try not to use inappropriate language if there's children and stuff and families. Um, and don't be an idiot when you're driving. We had this issue with uh, some guys in our club, and one of the reasons why it's gone, we were at a place that I consider us to be really lucky to get to use. A few people have complained about the uh, ecological impact of driving RC cars on these trails because it's a steep dirt hillside. 
and uh, not a lot of rock there and it's hiked pretty regularly and people are upset about erosion so there's already some resistance from the community there and these guys were driving their cars out on the asphalt doing cookies slamming into rocks trying to jump and stuff and people are trying to park and they're actually holding up traffic while they're screwing off and that is the worst possible example of what you should be doing with this hobby because all it takes is the right person talking to the right person at the city or the police department and it's going to be shut down you know like if they actually take the time to bitch about it it that may be the one phone call that they get to where they're like you know what we're shutting this down to rc and then it's ruined for everybody and you've also wrecked our image to everybody else and i could not sell people on the idea of that being so inappropriate what was going on in that that's being a poor ambassador to the hobby you know we we are guests and we're sharing that land with everybody else don't make it an inconvenience or you won't be welcome and like that seems like such an elementary thing you know um the other thing is just call the city call the uh you know, Parks and Recreation Department. I've done that in Anacortes where we go crawling. Um, I've talked to the police department there too about uh, attendance at events and stuff like that. And they were awesome. The a cop came out, watched what we were doing, hung out, talked to us for a bit, told me, hey, if you guys ever have more than like 25 people you think that are going to show up, please give us a call. Let us know what's going on up here and nobody will bother you. And, uh, I tried to organize a garbage cleanup day up there, and of course that didn't work, but um, the city, when I talked to them, they were so pumped because like this area, there's just cigarette butts and stuff everywhere. They were going to bring a dumpster up there for us. I mean, make it as easily as humanly possible, supply garbage bags, everything, if we were willing to clean up that spot. And I thought that was rad. And what a good way to cement your future into that location and be a group of people that are welcome there and uh nobody could see the value in that and it never happened yeah yeah it's a it's a shame but you know we could probably that could be a whole nother episode oh god i know we could be like we could be like talk about we could be like we could be like one of those uh like one of those like english like like shows today on scale trail etiquette <laughs> yeah exactly but anyways that's a whole different conversation but yeah. um uh sean rusin um asked what is it going to take to make it to proline by the fire if you showed up what rigs what rig or rigs would you both bring <laughs> Man, some you go just, first. <laughs> some people just really want us there. Honestly, like I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. It's going to come down to my work schedule, my workload. Um, being that the event is on a Friday and a Saturday, you know, it's going to be what's going on. Am I in the middle of a time crunch with a project? Do I need to get the, you know, like, you know, am I going to have to get it done? Am I going to have to have this date? you know everything kind of like at a certain checking point by then that's really what it's going to come down to for me i'm not trying to sound lame or anything um because honestly it's not just that um you know i don't want to get dabbled too much into my personal life but we just started a huge project in um in a town here and once the the house is finished like we're working on like just to kind of show you how big it is, we're working on like the guest house and the pool and like the pool equipment shed kind of like area right now. And 
those two buildings were framed in like a couple months. I mean, they, they're still far from finished, but enough to where we can get started with what we're doing inside. Once that main house gets built, we'll be running wire for days. So um, it, there's a good possibility. It's like the same thing. Like I'm even nervous about like you know Axial Fest and like Crawl for a Cure because <laughs> yeah. you know those are two staples. I I don't usually I really haven't missed you know. And, you know, it all comes down to what's going on. You yeah, know? it's, you know, for me, the desire's there. I would love to see all the guys at ProLine again. Um, I've been a team driver there since, like, 2016. So, <coughs> excuse me. Like, I love their products. I love the people there, and I would love to attend their event. I think that, you know, that's a bucket list thing for me. Um, like you, it'll come down to work. Can I take the time off? But, I mean, I'm going to kind of, like, I'll bear my soul here a little bit and be honest like i i'm not sure if i could afford it you know between either a flight or driving either way it's going to be expensive and i figured out like i would have to have about a four thousand dollar month here at work for me to be able to afford to take the time off and still pay the bills and afford to go down there so um if i have if i have a couple great months and all of you buy a crap ton of stickers then yeah i'll probably be there if not um i'll be uh watching facebook and your pictures and posts and stuff and uh wishing i was there hanging out with you guys yeah and the second part of the question um i'd pro uh, well obviously being the fact that it's proline by the fire um it's kind of like going to like axial fest you know, you're not going to really bring all these other rigs tailored to other stuff um i probably bring a uh, rig what I call this, like, I guess, you know, my most scale slash trusty rig, it would probably be the yellow blazer, which I'm sure some people have forgotten about since I haven't really driven it. When you hear me say trusty rig, they're like, you mean not the black and gold JK since you bring that everywhere? Right. A black and gold JK is awesome, works great, it is trusty, but it has pit bull tires. So I'm not going to show up to the party wearing pit bull tires. You That's know? really a considerate thing of you too because you're not really spitting in their face like some people would do that just to spite them to I be mean, jerks but that's cool I, of you if I really wanted if I really wanted to bring that rig I could take the time to pull the tires off put proline tires on it and go but I have a rig that's the joy of having multiple rigs um I can take another rig and bringing it down and you know still have a good time yeah I I would take my both my elements i would take the line killer one you know my cheater truck in case there's something really fun to crawl but uh i would take the ram charger because that thing is really stinking fun to drive and it's challenging to drive and i think that an event like that with all the trail and stuff there that's somewhere that that truck would really be in it's no pun intended element and uh be really a, a fun vehicle to drive at that so yeah that that's that's what we would both take. Um, now the last question of the night, Darwin. Oh, I'm really gonna butcher this one. Bonk. What? Yeah, B O H N K E. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was saying from the bottom. Opinion on overdrive, overdrive, underdrive, underdrive axles, axle setups, setups not, not being scale. I, I e not done in full size world. Um. So, 
I get what he's I get what he's saying because P, so what he's basically saying is if I'm translating this correctly is he's asking about people that run um, overdrive and underdrive gear setups it's not really you know you, people don't run that in the one to one world it's not really scale so right. like what are our opinions on it um, performance wise I've always found that a little bit you know I've never been one I've never run over in the front and under in the rear. I've never done that, you know, it works really good though. I've never done that kind of like, you know, extreme. I've always mm -hmm. been like, okay, I got a stock gearing in the rear. I'll put overdrives in the front. So it's a little faster or vice versa stock in the front, put under in the rear. You know, you still get, you still achieve the same thing. You just, yeah. You, know. you kind of make that choice based on the wheel speed of your car. But, um, it works really well if you're trying to say it's scale. Obviously, it's not because if you put, because um, like okay, let's say you put like for instance, my truck, the you know my wheelers got 488s. If I put 488s in the front and I put uh, 373s in the rear, I'm gonna blow something up. You yeah, know it, exactly. <laughs> like this in the scale world, like okay, these trucks are not scale they they the weight isn't distribute isn't uh, distributed like a real car they don't handle and perform like a real car so scale rc is a world of close enough or good enough mm -hmm. and uh i think it's i i think you're wasting your time to focus on if something's super super scale or not yeah there's the impressive factor of it but honestly you know it's like come on let's be practical here like these aren't going to work like real cars the weight's not like real cars you're not going to drive like real cars and you're not going to drive these over the same terrain you would real cars because we do impossible stuff with these rcs you would never do with a real one so i don't pay attention to that very much it's it's just kind of hey if it's close enough and it works good cool it i base it on fun level yeah, I don't go down to like when I think of that stuff, I don't go that far into like, oh, is that really scale or are they doing that in the real world? I don't like when it comes down to like those performance parts on the on the car because it's kind of like the same thing with um you know, with some of these shock setups and even with some some of um like the transmission setups like, you know, there you you don't have a three-gear transmission in your car. I'm not going to sit there and ridicule you and say, "No, you need to have a valve body and this that and the other in your scale car because that's what makes it scale." I'm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get that technical, but it, it's their uh, toys. Like, come on, guys. Like they're toys, you know. But yeah. But if you want my opinion if you should do it, I was going to say yes because there is a performance gains and especially if you have a truck that might be a little, you know, if it's lacking a little weight up front and you need like, you know, that extra help to keep the front planted, mm -hmm. the over underdrive option helps because, um, you know, one's spinning faster so it's creating the natural like digging down to China kind of motion so it's pulling it instead mm -hmm. of like, you know. Uh, how it would be if it didn't have it. Um, yeah, and it's something that you can add relatively you know, easy and get good performance gains out of it. Yeah, watch the video that I posted of that car working because when I'm going down stuff, it has that 11.8% overdrive in it right now, the element does, that's the option. Um, watch it going down some of the stuff, uh, down some of the rocks that I drove it on, and you can see how that rear wheel that's spinning slower than the front is dragging, creating a braking effect, and the car's not endoing because of it. So, um, 
if if you're interested in what overdrive can do for you those that downhill the real you'll know it when you see it in that video because it's a real gnarly downhill like almost vertical and the truck just rolls right down it and the back tires don't even come off the ground so um yeah the overdrive underdrive as far as i'm concerned do it i don't see too many negatives other than you might break something on really really high grip or asphalt if you're abusing the car but most of the time it, it's a non-issue and you know enjoy the car for what it is you know it's a it's an rc car still it's not a real car so don't get your ex expectations too high exactly so before we end this i just thought it was pretty funny you know thinking about this during this episode um i'm just gonna throw it out there you know for being at like we kind of like are at two polar ends of the of the spectrum or not polar ends i guess polar ends of like in brands and whatnot mm -hmm. we get along really well you know i like chevy you like ford i like the niners you like the seahawks god we I'm should hate each other when you look at look at it I'm, that way <laughs> i'm an mks guy you're a pro tech guy i prefer axial you prefer team i mean like if you really think about it we're like split down oh yeah oh yeah no it, it absolutely is it's it, it's funny because like statistically we probably shouldn't agree on anything you know if you look at it that way but we get along just fine. Yeah, yeah, and and there's no reason why uh, everybody else can't get along like that too. Yeah, but the only thing I do got to take into consideration now is I just got to remember not to wear my bow tie till I die shirt around you. Oh, the, dude, I had a Silverado before I had my F one fifty, so no, it, it no was hard a, feelings. You, no, it was a joke. <laughs> you made that comment about that saying. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, um. But yeah, no, that's all. It was just a funny little thing that I realized, and I was like, right, I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah, no, I hadn't considered that either. Like, that is, like, really opposite ends. Well, everybody, thank you. Um, you got us for two hours and eight minutes tonight, which is a new record. But uh, I, I really feel like we answered your questions and maybe gave you some good information. And hopefully we got you a little excited to go and hit the trails this weekend. So, uh, yeah, until next time. All right, guys. Have fun. See ya.